my top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first-timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change-ups. The cast won't break up. Even with that million-dollar contract, show up a stand-up guy who's a stand-up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lamberth, recording this episode for the week of Sunday, September 24th, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to shows. Give this one a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. I want to give a special shout out this week to Samantha Y., for becoming a new subscriber. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You are one of the the ones that keep this show going. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Uh, this is episode 676. There's no guest. It's just me sitting here in my apartment on a Sunday morning trying to get over a cold. It's not covid I tested myself I before I visited my mother. My mother! Shout out to Bill Burr. Um, and so I'm, I'm recovering from that. Um, and I'm still trying to deliver you a high-quality podcast, which I think this one will be. This will be a high-quality podcast, despite my cold. It's not a flu game, per se, but it's just... I think the best, one of the highest downloaded pot episodes of this show was when I did have a severe cold. It was like I was super nasally, and I think I talked about female characters in video games. And I talked about, like, Eddie Murphy and something else. And for a, a fledgling podcast, the, the the little podcast that could... I got some high numbers. So that was my uh, Jordan flu game episode. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't talk about this uh, last week. I wore my Jordan 12s out when I was at the Cobra Club. The the blue games. Are those the Jordan 12s? I'm not a hunt. I think they are. Jordan 12s. Yes. Okay, they are. 
so I wore those. I wore those on. I hadn't worn them in a minute. Those have to be the most comfortable Jordans that I've had. I think. I have the fours, and the twelves, and I have like the the black cat Jordans. The fours are fine. The fours are more of like um, you could almost wear with anything, and I, I those are like show shoes. Uh, shout out to Tayrell. I put up a somebody did a a couple of weeks ago. Somebody did a boomerang of me when I was I think it was on the Good Girl Show. And I did have the Jordan 4s. I see you with the Jordan 4s. I was like, oh, yeah. So those are kind of like the all-purpose show shoes. But I did pull out the the Jordan 12s. And it, those are super comfortable. I wonder if I could have gone a size up. What they didn't tell you, and I think I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Or I think Terrell sent me a... I think he sent me, he sent me a, a thing about the the Hirachis or those in, in sock shoe thingies, the, the, I forget the hell, you know what I'm talking about? Those sneakerheads that know. And then lemon sent me the same thing. Um, I, I wish I'd have known that going up a half size on the Hirachis, uh, because they fit kind of snug. The coat, the, the, the Kobe peas that I bought, I, I did. I do like them. Those are kind of, I think those may have to be like special occasion show shoes. Like the the Comedy Outlier show, that was a special occasion show because Brandon and Mike were taping their album. So we'll see. We'll see when that when I bring them out again. But I just, I forgot to mention that those were, the Jordan 12s are super comfortable. That's like maybe the third or fourth time I had worn them and I, I do, I do like them. I do like them. They're super comfortable. Um, so I think I said this episode 676, no guests, just me shout out to Samantha Y again for, uh, signing up for the Patreon. Really appreciate you. Rainy weekend, rainy weekend. This past week was pretty, was pretty good. Busy, but good fighting the cold. Um, but, uh, it, it was, it was pretty good. Got to see my mom. Uh, take care of some things uh, and then um, didn't have any shows no shows uh, but that was almost by design I got asked to do a show but I was uh, out of town um, but I'll be I thought I had my calendar up this week I'll be at Nears Tavern on the 28th Shine Box Comedy Show at Nears Tavern, that's at eight o'clock, and that's in Queens. So if you're in that area, come see me. I'll be telling some jokes. You, we have a guest scheduled. Now I'm not gonna say who it is. It's somebody new to the pod that I think will be will be fun and and nice to talk to, and I think will be good for your listening pleasure. So that's scheduled. It's on the books. So I'm I'm hoping it happens. If it doesn't happen, you might get another guest or you just might get me blabbing to you alone, solo, like I'm blabbing to you right now. Uh, so that's that's something coming down the pike. Um, man, Coach Prime, first defeat at Colorado, lost to Oregon. The people, people who know college football, I'm not I'm not considering myself to be 
um, how do you say, a scholar, um, but people who understand college football know that I had a feeling they were going to lose. Would I stop rooting for Prime and the Buffs? No, I would. Will not. Uh, but I would have. I would have been pleasantly surprised. I would have been over the moon surprised if they won. I didn't know anything about that that team per se, but I know that Oregon is a, a, a has been a very competitive team in the national rankings for quite some time. Uh, you had Heisman Trophy winners coming out of that school. Um, I don't know if Mariota was the last one, but uh, they've just been a, a a great school that hasn't that is able to get recruits and uh, just a strong team. I didn't realize that this kid Bo Nix was a Heisman Trophy candidate, but I mean, <laughs> he's he's uh, that kid's a beast. Uh, those guys are fast. Even though Oregon's been a a fast team for quite some time. Uh, much faster, and and they're big. They were bigger than those kids uh, from Colorado. So uh, I was I I didn't I stayed on that game longer than I probably should have. I didn't like seeing them get beat, um, especially getting beat that bad. Uh, they just dominated from the first whistle. Uh, but I noticed, like some some people, I don't follow people that were well. I there's a lot. There's probably black people that don't like Dion, but uh, this somebody said somebody said this was like January sixth to, to a lot of people, and I'm like, God damn, that's a lot. That's a lot. But you did see the schism out. Somebody retweeted uh, or quote tweeted somebody said this is a Oregon is doing the work for us or something along the lines of that that was just really fucking weird so you could tell that there's racism when you have a proud black man just a proud confident black man who's um, who's talking his shit and backing it up and people there's a certain segment there's a certain segment that doesn't like that and I was bracing myself for that because those people will be insufferable. Those people. And then you have the contrarian uh, black fake intellectuals that are saying, it's Oregon's just good. Oregon's just good. Like like nobody knew that. Or saying, this is not about Dion or race. This is just, you know, they're just getting there. I, I just, I don't like it from either end. I'm. I'm going to to try to act like there's people in this world and I don't think and there's there's a lot of ways where I think I I'm I am I am I'm trying to be more I'm pretty self-aware I'd like to think that I am but there's certain people that try to act like they're never connected to anything like they I don't care that they lost or I don't I never I never um looked at that person as somebody that I respect or I never, I was never connected to this person or, 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 um, never, um, emotionally connected to something or had put some type of, of value, respect, regard, or anything in, whether it be a team, 
a person, a family member, just never, just like Teflon when it comes to emotions being let out or feeling something. I remember when, um, when with those kids from that, um, this had to be maybe like two, that early, who are those kids that made the Elite Eight? And, and there's a lot, a lot of those black boys. George Mason. Was it those kids from George Mason that made a, um, a run in the in the in the uh, NCAA Final Four, like they made made the Elite Eight or something like that. Somebody will correct me if they give a shit, but I remember being emotionally invested in those kids because they were all from the area, all all around the DMV, and or really close to it. And I was really upset when they lost. And then just being a, I remember that. And then just being emotionally connected to a football team and being and, and sad if they lost. Um, I I've always felt that, and sometimes and and with LeBron, I think LeBron was the after he won his first one in Miami. I remember I was like really emotionally, um, I was happy for him because he was a child star that succeeded, and a lot of pressure was put on him. So I was rooting for him to win. Um, when they won in Cleveland, I was I was really happy. When he won in Cleveland, I was happy. So it's kind of like I would get. Cause I don't know if I got that from my parents. I used to do a bit about that. It might be on YouTube. Uh, I don't know if that's still on YouTube. But I used to do a bit about how getting invested when like black black players, black coaches are involved in something like this. The Super Bowl was one. And for people to just try to be so antiseptic about being connected to something. I don't know if I'm saying that right. We're so clinical. Oh, that's never affected me. Well, I'm not. I don't, I don't care that they lost or, 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 or an entertainer messes up. I never liked that guy. To never really feel like the complicated emotions that you feel when something bad happens or some somebody you admire does something wrong i think it's just a cop out to be all all almighty and all powerful and like never feel anything well that's why you don't get invested in this or that's why you don't look up to people i mean my parents were my heroes i had a I had a, a great dad i have a a, a great mom I looked up to them. I admire them, especially I think I said it when my, my dad passed away. I think I might have said it when I in the intro, when I re 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 issued his episode where when you're a kid, you look at these people as heroes. Your parents are your if you have good ones, you look at them as heroes. You, you become like a teenager. You know what I'm. You know anything, Dad or Mom or yeah. You know yeah. You know when you when you're feeling yourself, you smell your piss or whatever it is. And then when you get older, you realize like, holy shit, that's just a guy. That's just a woman that was trying to figure it out. And when you realize that that person was just a guy or just a woman trying to figure shit out. It's like, holy shit, that was just a guy or a woman who was trying to figure some shit out and did a great job despite their human flaws. 
that's when things become even more beautiful to me. So when I think about Deion Sanders, I mean, I was thinking about this like this past week. You know, I was excited for the game. I, I, I got got it, got back to Jersey before the game. And like I was, you know, I remember I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I used to have a I used to have a post. I think I might have said this. The, you guys remember those people that are my age troll the troll book book club and they come to your school there there'd be a book fair and you can pick out the books so you can buy them at my pre the the my first elementary school you'd have to order you'd order them uh you get a paper and you'd order the books there and then in a couple months they'd send them to you they deliver it to the school and it was a big deal you got some books and stuff remember when books were cool uh <laughs> Um, and then my last elementary school that I went to my junior, when I went to junior high at this school, Mount Calvary Catholic school, they would, excuse me, they would come to your school and you'd buy the books from them. And they used to have posters. There was a Deion Sanders poster. Excuse me. I hope I'm not retelling this, but, uh, it's him and his defensive back. Uh, position when he was with the Falcons. And I remember having that poster and having it on, sticking it on my wall in my bedroom. He's a dude that revolutionized that position and made people want to play that position and made people give a shit about that position. Uh, he was he was an amazing player. And he made people care about that. And I start like after that, I after him, I started looking at that position more. And like I remember liking Terrell Buckley because of Deion Sanders and following his career, Champ Bailey, everybody that came after, and just really following these guys and paying paying attention to the game even more because of him. There was a time and my I remember me and my dad were just like, they won't even throw to his side of the field. That's how much he was feared. I saw this clip with uh when 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 he was at Jack, he was coaching at Jackson State, and he must have been doing um oh god, I forget the name of the podcast, but he was doing with these former players, and Chad Johnson was there, and 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 Chad was like, Oh, I can line up against you, blah blah blah. They're going back and forth. And all that, and uh, and they would like he'd line up to each other, line up like they was about to, you know, go against each other. And I was thinking, like Chad Johnson's a, one, probably one of the greatest route runners who ever lived, and Dion's the greatest ever at his position. And it's like, yeah, like he's like, what would you do? What would you do? And then Prime was looking down at his at Chad's feet, and he's like, you better straighten up that foot, or that's it. You better straighten up that foot. And you also, I was just thinking, like, the quarterback probably wouldn't even have thrown over there. They wouldn't have thrown over. They would not have thrown it over to his side of the field. That being said, what happened yesterday was probably going to happen. But I just didn't know it was going to be that bad. But I was looking at these guys in those other games. I was like, they're kind of little. Those guys are little. And even, you know, Stack Jack, 
sometimes he's out of pocket with some of the things he says. He's hit or miss. I, but he did say, I think he did say like in a couple years, he's going to recruit. He's going to get some guys. And I haven't said this. This is only the beginning. There's going to be kids that want, that want to go play for Dion. There's parents that are going to want to send their kids to Colorado. If I had a kid that was 17, 18 years old, junior, senior in, in, in high school, I would want him to play with for Coach Prime. I would send my car, my kid to Colorado because I grew up having his fucking poster on my wall. I would want my kid to play for Coach Prime. Wouldn't want him to play for Dabo, who lost yesterday. A lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of it's racism. Proud black man talking to shit. A lot of it's it's jealousy. I don't I don't know. Some some people say, how could you not like Deion Sanders? Cause he's a God fearing man. That 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 being said, I just I think he's gonna get some recruits. I think he's gonna get more guys, more kids that want to play with him, play for him. I think he'll be fine. I watched his presser after the game, and he just he's like, it's an old fashioned butt kicking. That's it. We didn't execute. I didn't execute. And one thing that that stuck out for me, he was he was just gracious in defeat. And I don't think I ever, I don't ever remember him not being that. But on uh, at this high level, it was it was good to see that. One thing I think it was Shannon Sharp that said it a couple of weeks ago, saying like, as great a player. As great of a player that Coach Prime was, he has the most patience for kids that he's ever seen. Or just just for like how they say great players can't be coaches. So Michael Jordan probably isn't a great coach because like, why aren't you guys just, just doing it like I did it? You know, like everybody doesn't have his innate ability to be great. And I think Kobe had that. Kobe seemed to have it. One of the sweetest things, and I think I said this when he when he uh, passed, uh, was the picture of <laughs> the picture of him with the girls. I think they had won like second place, and Kobe was like, "Yeah, you know," uh, <laughs> he was just like mad that some of the girls went left and didn't left the team to do a dance recital, but you know. We'll be back, you know, and it was really it was endearing because he gave a shit. He cared about these women, you know, young women, these girls. So I think Kobe had that patience, too, that you wouldn't think that he would. But it seemed like it was apparent that he did. Coach Prime on that level is just like he's like, I've played. He said, I've played and I had a great career. And he said, like, look, they're they're really not trying to beat these kids my kids they're trying to beat me and and that he has that understanding and i just have even more respect for him in this loss um i i I just think he'll be a i think he's a great coach i think he'll continue to be great i think he'll get these guys uh it's not gonna be easy um 
but people wouldn't have been watching that game if it wasn't for him and and the all the the good vibes that he's been you know passing along let me look at this um what i thought i had this thing right okay so the next game they got usc and uh usc has another heisman trophy corner quarterback uh Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy. He won the Heisman. I don't know. They probably they'll probably try not to give it to him again. I think he did win the Heisman Trophy. I think he did. He did win. Yeah, he did. Okay, I'm right. <laughs> All right, Chris, look at you, fake journalist. All right. Uh, so he won the Heisman, and that's not going to be easy too. They're ranked five. But what I've noticed, what I've noticed about this is the fact that the game against Arizona State, the game against UCLA, the their next few games are TBD. They don't know the times. Cause I think, and and I mean if Felder is listening, I mean he's probably not listening to this. But I think it's because of ratings they want to get a good time so a lot of people can watch people were watching that that uh colorado state game at like one in the morning i fell asleep on it i came in from being out and i was like oh they're still playing it's overtime and i passed out on the couch he's doing something man and i I hope it continues i hope it it continues uh positively i just hope they win enough games to get a bowl game. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but a, a rational a rational mind is like they're playing these top-tier teams in a competitive conference. It's not going to be easy. But I think he will get kids to come out there and play for him. So that's, that's, my, that's how I feel about it. I am emotionally connected to it. I am not too proud to say that. I appreciate somebody's talents and abilities. It doesn't make it doesn't make you less of a person to appreciate somebody's God-given gifts and ability to uh, inspire and uh, uh, others. I think a lot of people think the world would be a better place if you you just kind of uh, appreciated people's talents and abilities. Um, it's okay to be connected to something outside of yourself. It is okay. All right. Hassan Minaj still in the news about the this uh, lying on stage and telling tall tales and all the articles have come out. Look, I after I recorded last week, I saw... <laughs> That the guy's got another, he's touring again, and the tour is called Off With His Head. So it's continuing with uh, the Homecoming King, uh, the Court's Jester, and then now Off With His Head. The the Kingdom Trilogy, uh, the uh, Alice in Wonderland uh, illusions, not illusions, illusions, folks, English majors. Um... 
he's going to be all right. He's going to be making money. It's going to be fine. He'll probably talk about it in the new uh, special, his new tour. He's going to be fine. He's got an audience. You, you as an audience members, we, the royal we, just have to decide, do I want to see that? And that, I think that's always been everybody's power. Like, do I want to see this guy? Is he lied about this baby touching an anthrax letter or whatever? Or whatever he, you know, whatever he concocts. That's just for everybody to decide. I, I, I don't think it's even, I don't even think it's that complicated. Do you like the guy? Do you want to put down money? I saw where he, let's see, did I still have it up? I, I don't know if I... If I close it out, but he's got a tour and he's, you know, he's, I see where he's added shows in some places. Yeah, man, he, he, he going to be straight. Um, yeah, that's really all I got to say about that. You know, I, you know, he, he, he found a way to get it in, make that, make that paper, get that bag. It's just not the way I would do it, and that's that's all I say about it. And it, it ain't no it ain't no uh, I want to say it. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. Yeah, you got to decide whether you want to see it or not. And it's not it's not like a uh, uh, it's not an indictment of of comedy or anything. People know people know what comedians do and whether they take things out of context or you know like you you do put things together for artistic artistic value artistic um licensing but at the core you got to go for that that truth so i was thinking about my act i'm thinking about stuff in field running back hey that stuff this is stuff pretty true all that stuff that happened to me happened to me is it is it a i i i just think and i always always preface this by saying the way i do it the way that i do comedy is i'm approaching it from most of the things that happened to me the things that happened to me whether i most of the time when you fail at something or something's awkward those are things that are a little more compelling than, well, I won. And I told that guy I won. I was listening, watching a comic last week say things. I was like, you did, you really said that? Not, not even like you really said it, but I'm like, that, that just makes you look, that just makes you look cool. But that guy was a lot younger. I think he'll learn. Maybe, or maybe not. But, um, yeah, I think when you when you win, I don't know how that that I don't know. I think people like to see when you fuck up, and then you tell those stories because that's that's a little more relatable. I don't know if that's just how I feel about it, and nobody cares. All right, uh, he'll be fine. Video games. I played video games a little bit. I'm play. I started. I got two K a couple weeks ago. I only played it one time. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I played it like when I first got it or whatever. It takes like seven or years to download. And um, 
It's fun. Shooting is hard. They really make that hard. You have to you have to get a team and you have to learn everybody's shot release. That's I mean it, it, it's hard. And they they try to make it so intricate that you just I don't know. You really have to learn these guys release. I was I was playing I think Phoenix is going to be my team just cuz of cuz of KD uh Devin Booker can get to the penetrate get to the basket, Aiton can rebound. Uh Bradley Beal, I think they have him running the point and he can shoot. Um so I think that might be my team. The bench I don't know that well. Um I used to play with them before because I liked Michael Bridges, but he's with the Nets now. And I did like that squad. They were pretty good. That was before they made that run to the finals. I would play with them. I think it was that year that I bought it that they, that I got 22 or 23, 22. Anyway, 2, 2K21 maybe. Um, it's It's fun. It's very rewarding when you hit that shot. And this is what I've been thinking for quite some time. I, I alluded to it maybe last week or the week before where these sports games are now becoming RPGs. Even if you're playing with, well, especially with the in-game purchases, the creative players and all that, like you, it, it's becoming an RPG um, where you have to make these accomplishments to to get to this next level to get more VC and I noticed it when I was playing uh Mamba moments on 2K the the one that I played is when you're when you're playing against the Sacramento Kings I think it's a closeout game in Sacramento where you're playing against you're playing against Chris Webber that's the best team they ever had. Chris Webber, Doug Christie, Peja, um, uh, White Chocolate, Bobby Jackson coming off the bench and lighting lighten your ass up. And you got asked Kobe in that game. Kobe had 48 points and he had 10 rebounds. I don't know how many assists, but you have to get you have to win the game. You have to get 48 points. And you have to get 10 rebounds to, to like, meet the Kobe challenge, the Mamba moment. And the way they set 2K up is, like, six-minute quarters initially. But you can't do all that shit in six minutes. Even if Kobe st- Kobe stays in the game the whole time, um, you can't, you can't uh, do it that way. So I just did, like, 12 minutes. Like, it was a full 48-minute game and all that. So I did it and finally got past it because that's what I didn't know in those Jordan challenges where I thought you just had to play six minutes. It's hard to do all that crap in that short amount of time. I never got past the the Georgetown thing when you got to beat Georgetown in the finals where I might have had the points or I might have had like started beating them or something. But then they do something like Patrick Ewan doesn't miss and these other guys are good. And it's like it's fucking hard. Um, yeah, they make that, they're, they're making this stuff, these games, they're making them really hard now. 
and it's kind of it's almost making me lose interest a little bit because you have to dedicate so much time and every year they change the way you they change these jump shot features and it gets kind of annoying and now it's like so i'm i'm playing this kobe challenge with shaq one of the most dominant players who's, who's ever played the game and you're up up you're by the basket and he can't make a shot is it the user error of course it is it's me <laughs> but oh my god if i can play all these other complicated games like metroid dread cuphead and i haven't beat cuphead i just, all these games take time and i don't know how much time i have to play all these fucking things and they look great and i like playing them when i'm playing them i just don't have enough time to dedicate to play and and really kick the shit out of these games and win them uh i played mad a little bit i found that i was able to most of you guys probably already know this but playing these playing remotely uh like you leave your you leave your you download the ps app there's a there's an app that you can what is it let me uh i can tell you right now i think most of you guys already know this you guys and gals ps remote play you download it to your your um I don't know. I have a MacBook, so I download it to my MacBook. But I think you can do it to your your iPad too. Um, it's on. If you go to YouTube, there's plenty of tutorials. So I did this. I tried to do it when I was at the Borgata when I actually had time to really play. Uh, it didn't work. It it wouldn't. It, I would lose connection. But my connection's strong here, and at my mom's house, it's strong. So I did it remotely, and I was able to play. It was a little bit of a lag in some some places, but it did work. And if it keeps working, I wouldn't I wouldn't have to buy another PS5. So that would be good if it, it worked. So it did work, and it was fun. It, I just remember it just brought me back to um, uh, my childhood when I'd be playing a game, and my mom would yell at me and to take, the, take out the trash, and I, that's what I did. I was like, oh, all you had to do was tell me to take out the trash. I'll do it. It wasn't that, not that big of a deal, Mom and to do other stuff and she would be looking at me while i was playing the game uh and judging me and um i had a good time i had a good time um so that was it was fun i do like it but you do have to learn how these fuckers shoot and when you're with a great player like kobe it makes stuff look kind of easy because a lot of shots he's going to hit, but you still have to learn. There's still a learning curve. There's nothing. It's just learning curves every game, but I it, it 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 would get it would get pretty annoying that I can't get close range shots with Shaq. I eventually learned how to do it, and the other players on your team, like Rick Fox, dropped dropped some threes. I was Robert Ory helped me out. Uh, Derek Fisher dropped a, a few, but those dudes were relent, relentless. Like Peja would be like shooting. He's big. It really, the game's getting a lot better. It's getting like, to me, like the difficulty of how, how hard it is because I don't understand shit about soccer. It's getting to that level where it's like, Oh, uh, uh, 2001 Peja 
2001 Chris Webber would light your ass up. And it really, it's like boss level shit. It's like, I thought about this. I've been thinking about it for a while. Like when you go against, if you're, if you're playing like, even on the, the, the general level, like pro, I think there's semi pro and then there's pro. That's what I play it on. Even at that level, it's like going up against a boss, a boss, like every game. Every player, every team's got a player that could light your ass up. So I think it's 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 all they're all becoming like these RPGs that are that are just hard as shit. Um, but I'm liking it. I, I'm having fun. It's just the, the time that I would get to play. It's like, OK, uh, I, don't, I just dropped 400 bucks on this NFL Sunday ticket. I'm not going to play video games where I can just watch football. So I'm not going to do that. Saturday's prime time. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll make some time. Then I also bought this game called Sifu, which was 20 bucks at the PlayStation Store. It's like this, it's this kung fu game. And most of you nerds that have, uh, are, are video game nerds like me, are probably even more hard, way more hardcore than me. It's this ro- roguelike beat-em-up game. And you, you're this martial arts school person that is looking for revenge. On, they, they kill your dad at the, when you're like eight years old or something like that. And then you build yourself up to be this fighter. And you go get revenge on all the people that fucked with your dad. And uh, you, you go to these different levels. It's only like five levels. And it's just smashing a button masher. It's hard. And every time you die, you come back and you and you you age a year. And if you keep dying, you might age a couple years until you get into your seventies. But it, when you but when you die, you come back. You come back a little a little weaker, but more powerful. And it is extremely hard. I got past the first boss, but I think I might have been. You start at twenty years old. I think I might have been like 40 something when I got past, but it's hard. It might be something that I like. I I still have to learn, learn the moves and stuff. And really is yet again, something else you got to really spend uh, a lot of time with. I think if I was 13 years old and this game was out, I would, I would be good. But I think I've gotten better as a gamer in my older age. A lot of those games were pretty hard back then. I would not have, never be as good as I have two cousins on both sides of the, both sides of the family that were really proficient at video games, and I don't think I'll ever be as good as them. But I am proud of myself that I did beat a game like Metroid Dread. That that goes on the resume. At whatever the the normal level it was hard as fuck. Uh, The Last of Us, I I beat at the normal level, which it, when you get, that was pretty hard. The part, part two was really hard in spots. But if you just keep, I you know, but Sifu was one and one, because I, I think Rod did, Rod did buy this one. I'm not sure that if he finished, um... 
I don't think he did. I think when I was talking to him, I don't think he finished this one. But he was saying it's it's one of these roguelike games. It's 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 hard when you die. You you got to start at a certain point, and you get it's it's. I think I did. I think we talked about roguelike games. I thought about that game that was really cool. I was excited, and it just beat the shit out of me. Roguelike games. Any genre of computer role-playing games loosely characterized by various characteristics, such as randomized environment generation, permadeath, turn-based movement, text-based or primitive tile-based graphics, and hack-and-slash gameplay. That's... Why are they called roguelike? Um... Trying to find a really good definition. Um, okay, here we go. This let's let's read this first paragraph in the on the wiki. Roguelike is a subgenre of role-playing computer games traditionally characterized by a dungeon crawl through procedurally generated levels, turn-based gameplay, grid-based movement, and permanent death of the player character. Most roguelikes are based on a high fantasy narrative, reflecting their influence from tabletop role-playing games such as Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, it's it's good. That game, Returnal. I remember taking a day off work, and I remember seeing the trailer for. <coughs> excuse me. I remember seeing the trailer for uh, Returnal, and I was like, "Oh my god, this looks." This looks fucking amazing. This is amazing. Uh, that game, I played it for like 35, 40 minutes. That game kicked my ass. I got the special edition. I was like, this is the game that's going to define PlayStation 5. And it's a beautiful game. It looks great. But that game was hard, and I have not played that since. Um, yeah. So it, it's... Yeah, a lot of these. Some of these things are a lot. It's like, do you do you want me to have, do you want me to have fun? Or you just you just you just taking my money? You just you're gonna kick my ass the whole time, and I can't get anywhere. I don't know. I just have to de- dedicate more time. Cuphead's great. I need to finish that. Only people I know that beat that were wait. I think I know three people. The recently married Jeff Cerulli. Brian McGinnis and Fonte, the great Fonte, who we'll talk about a little later when we talk about music, because, oh, my God. Um, Let's see. Yeah, so that that's fun, but it's also hard. It's just one of these games that I got to learn. I, I, I'm just not that guy that's like I have to I have to dedicate. I, I think I'm only a one game at a time type guy where I, I I play one game till I finish it and then I go on to something else. But I couldn't I couldn't resist that 20 bucks for to kind of tap me in back to my childhood where it's like you're you're karate dude and you're beating the shit out of people they're coming at you. This is one of those games where it's like you're watching a movie, you're watching one of those kung fu movies and like 1500 guys are trying to beat up this one person and you beat the karate person beats everybody up. And it's like, why don't they just all attack at one time? Well, with Sifu, everybody's fucking attacking you at one time. So 
That's that. Um, okay. Uh, our TV. Uh, the Shy had their finale. They did like eight episodes, and I, apparently they're supposed to come back, but with the strike, I don't think they've filmed anything. So a good season was kind of capped off on a weird cliffhanger. I'm going to speak in on a macro t- level because I know everybody's not caught up. Um, it's good. I, I love the show, but I think they spent a little too much time with... They got their big event. They got their death that they wanted. But then they kept going back to stuff that's kind of like, eh, I, I, eh, I don't know that this is that important. But I don't know. With the strike still here, they said there's some progress. But it's like, I don't know how soon that's going to come back. That I don't know if it's going to be next year. Probably be 2025. I just wish they wouldn't have broken it up. But just the way that all these studios and all these networks are just um, trying to save money. A lot of the stuff we love isn't in the can yet. I think we'll still get Raising Canaan soon, so that'll be good. That'll be in a couple months, hopefully. But The Shy is on Showtime, Paramount. It's fine. The finale was fine. Um, it's just It just left a lot to be desired from the excellent way that everything was being built up. So I was just kind of like, what are you, what's going on here? What are we what are we doing? You're just going to give me, leave me with that. You know? So I was kind of, it was a little anticlimactic in my opinion. Um, I got, I'm raving. I love this show. The other black girl on Hulu, uh, it's, it's based on a novel by Zakia Dahlia Harris, uh, which came out in 2021. I'll I'll read you the blurb if I can find a good blurb. Okay. Nella, an editorial assistant, is tired of being the only black girl at her company. So she's excited when Hazel is hired. But Hazel Star but as Hazel Star begins to rise, Nella spirals out and discovers something sinister is going on at the company. This shit is excellent. Now, sidebar. Zakia Dahlia Harris is the, I don't know if she's the older or younger sister of, oh my God, where I'm having, I'm drawing a blank. Oh my God, Chris. Wow. Well, Aisha Harris. Oh my God. I'm not sure because I was trying to think, figure out if she was an older or younger sister of Aisha Harris. That's why I blanked. Who's been on the show? Friend of the podcast, formerly of Slate and the New York Times, I believe. And now she's on NPR. So that's really fucking cool. Uh, both two talented sisters, two extremely talented sisters. Uh, Aisha Harris just had a book that came out. Um, I really, I really like this. I want to read the book now. Uh, it's dark. It's funny. I don't want it. Nope, not going to do it. I'm just going to. Nope. Not going to 
No. It's very good. I really love it. Um, this Onyx Collective production company or whatever, like, they got a real hit with this thing that they're doing with Disney. I really like the vibe of this. It's like a workplace. It's a work, kind of like a workplace comedy that's, like, got some horror elements. Um... I don't want to say too much. I think you should just watch it. And there's there's other stuff on the surface. It's very black. Um, I rock with it, man. I think it's just, it's really good. There's, you know, I'm just looking at the, the Wikipedia uh, page on the book. You can definitely see the background of certain things. I, I, I just don't want to say too much. If you're not, if you, if, if you like my recommendations i would say go in with this not knowing anything and then this thing's build you'll be like oh wow okay so i was really rocking with this i really like what this onyx collective is doing or putting this um black stuff out there uh rashida jones is an ep on this i think she might be like uh is she the co-creator of the series I feel like she is developed by Zakia Dahlia Harris and Rashida Jones. So, okay, Rashida. Okay. Okay. I did really enjoy this. I kind of binged through this shit like really fast. Like I finished it in like two days. There's 10 episodes about, they range from 24 minutes, 24 to 31 minutes. And I really liked it. I highly recommend one of the best things I've seen this year, I would say. Um, Fat Boy Corner. Um, I went. To, I had Wingstop. I hadn't had Wingstop in a long time. I ordered some. I had. Uh, yeah, oh, for football. I watched football and I had ordered some wings. Um, they were good. I was I was uh, surprised. I just got like regular buffalo wings. They were good, and then I got some for me and my mom uh, on Friday. My mom acts like she doesn't want it, want anything. I was gonna go get her. I was like, "Oh, what do you want?" She's like, "I got a taste for a chicken sandwich." I was like, "All right." I think I, I said, "I think I'm gonna go to Wingstop or maybe get a pizza." I'm not sure. And then I just I just went out and. Um, it's like, I think I'll go to Wingstop. So I went to the Wingstop in my old, I wouldn't even say my old stomping ground because it's really not, I mean, it, it was. I used to hang out at the Forest Village Mall. Uh, I used to go there. Fuck it. It's not, but I didn't really hang out when I was in school. My hangouts would be like after school clubs, like the Black Student Union <laughs> and Drama Club. And uh, being the basketball manager, I was so fucking square. Uh, so we did, but what I, this is what I noticed, and I kind of got I don't know, I got je- did I, I didn't know, think I got jealous, but I saw a bunch of kids because it's right by my high school. Uh, you, you can walk to the mall, and those kids are lucky because they have more, they have way more shit over there where you could, you could go get something to eat or and kind of hang out. So when I, Okay, so I've seen a bunch of Bishop McNamara kids uh, in their uniforms, hanging out at Wingstop. 
And I was like, oh my God, I hope they don't make fun of me. <laughs> these, I hope these teens don't make fun, but I'm pretty cool. But anyway, they were, I see a bunch of McNamara kids. They got a, they got a Chipotle out there now. They got an Applebee's, they got a Wingstop, and they got some kind of, uh, it's not halal, it's some kind of like, maybe it's a Peruvian spot. And then across the street, there's another mall with another strip mall with there's a mall and then there's a strip mall across the street that has a Starbucks and like uh, a Wendy's or something. And that's the Wendy's where I got caught, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes where I got caught with three other girls after going to uh, Wendy's after school on a half day. Because my mother used to go to the fabric store out there and she kind of got she got mad because I was with those girls. I under, I told that story before, but it was only, we just went we were just having rehearsal and we went to Wendy's, which was like less than five minutes away from school. And so my mom just happened to be out there and, and I got scared. But that at that incident did get me talking to the girl who I was madly in love with. And she, and she did not go to the homecoming dance. Unlike unlike Hassan Minaj, she wouldn't go to the homecoming dance with me or prom. She went with a white guy. She was black. She was light skinned. She went with a black guy. Well, she she went with a white guy. She married a black guy. I did. I was doing a. Sh- I was doing a show where she lived. At the time. The running joke with between wow this this fat boy corner became, what what would I be if if uh, his thing was was called homecoming king, mine would have just been. I don't know what that would have been, anyway. That would have been after the homecoming dance, because if that was like January, anyway, that woman, our our running joke was like, yeah, I'm going to be on Dawson's Creek one day. And she's like, I remember when she reached out to me, she said, oh, are you on? Are you did you get on Dawson's Creek yet? And I was like, no, I was like, I hadn't I don't think I had. It was right before I might have been might have been right before I was about to start comedy. But anyway. I was a couple years in the stand-up, I think, when she uh, reached out to me on Facebook. And I was like, oh, you're down in such and such. Uh, I'm going to be there. You and your husband should come. And it wasn't anything like it would be like, oh, you come see the show. I wasn't going to do a one man show. I didn't I didn't have the I didn't have the skill set to do anything to really like call her out or anything. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, oh, you should come. That's like not far from you. And she didn't come, and then she unfollowed me on, on Facebook, and I was like, unfriended me on Facebook. So that that's my, um, and it wasn't because she was racist; it was because she wasn't into me. But then I wouldn't try to, <laughs> I wouldn't try to. Um, I don't think I'd try to like date her or anything. Married woman. Um, so that was, wow. Didn't know that I was going to go there. See what happens when you podcast, see what, see what happens. But as far as fat boy corner is concerned, Wingstop, not bad, not bad. 
uh, Rick Ross. Um, I don't know. My mom did like the lemon pepper. I like the I like the buffalo. It's fine, but like I think sometimes when you get, I don't even think lemon pepper is extravagant, but when you go outside of the buffalo wing flavor, it could be hit or miss. I went to this one spot that I thought was good. They may they have good wings, but it's like they had so many flavors. It's like, is this gonna is this gonna even be good? You know, Buffalo's good enough for me. I, maybe I'm just uh, super conservative when it comes to these flavors and stuff. But there's really not that much nuance. I don't think it takes. I don't think anything. It, you, you've already succeeded with the buffalo wings. But my, I know with my mother, she doesn't like hot stuff. And even though she said she didn't want anything, I went to her. I went to her favorite fish. Every time I go home, I go to her favorite fish spot that she and my dad loved. And I would go there and get her get her fish like enough for like a couple of meals. So she was already good. I'm not an asshole son. But she would get. I would get her stuff. She's like, oh, I'll just eat some fish. But, you know, she's always going to want some of your shit when you bring something home. And I always make sure I get enough for her anyway. My dad did that. I do that, too. So she did like the lemon pepper. So my mother can be really picky when it comes to that stuff. So if she likes it, then, I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's all you need. Because normally there's a... There's a chain. I don't know how far it extends, but there's the Mar- the Maryland, maybe Virginia, possibly Delaware. There's a chain called Lido's. A lot of people know, but it's not anything that's like, it's not anything that's like, um, not popular because they're all over Maryland. But there's one specifically that we used to go to before my dad passed. Excuse me. They have a special like lemon pepper wing, and that's probably the best that I ever had as far as the lemon pepper flavor is concerned. So I didn't go to Lido's, but but Wingstop pretty solid. Got a little nostalgic. Not I don't know if jealous is the right word, but I was like, ah, just kind of hmm, not jealous of those kids, but it it just made me smile seeing. Those kids in the in their uniforms, uh, hanging out and shit. You know, I I don't think I was jealous. It just made me reminisce on my youth, when I was full of youth, not yet abused by time. The great blue, from uh, below below the heavens. What is that? Is that rem- reminisce over you? Let me see. Is that? Blue in exile. Blue in exile below the heavens. Um, Wow, I didn't know that I was going to do this. So, bear with me. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm so sorry. What is that record? Um, In Remembrance of Me. Track five on Blue in Exiles Below the Heavens. Great, great song. Um... Wings are good at Wingstop. I, I know, like, it's a national chain, and, you know, sometimes people shit on those chains, but it did the job, and I like their blue cheese. Um, on my way back 
to Jersey, I went to this spot called Meatheads, and I think I've talked about it before. <clears throat> so this was my second time going. And, um, man, best best cheesesteak I ever had in my life. And it's, and it's close to Princeton, New Jersey. Is it close to Philly? Yeah. But it's the best, um, it's best Philly cheesesteak I, best cheesesteak I ever had in my life. And it's the second time. And the first time I ate some of it in the, in the restaurant and it was, it was great. It was really intense. If you go there, you do not need a loaded steak unless you're a savage, unless you want one. I made the mistake of doing that. I think they put like a half a pound of meat on the regular, I think. And, uh, you just really need, you don't even need toppings, but some people do it and there's no judgment. If you just get the, the cheese, if you go with the Cooper Sharp cheese and and then and that that's all you need. It's so good. Uh you know it's good when it's packed. It was I got there at like twelve thirty. There was a lot of people there. People were getting upset, waiting for their food. One guy was upset. Call my name. He was like a little baby, but it was packed. People were in there. That's a that's a great spot, and it's in the middle of like kind of well, Princeton's major town, but it's off a major highway, Route One, Route One and Nine in 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 Jersey, and it's uh, it's really good. That's like uh, that's a that's a really terrific spot. Um, and you know, it's good when it la- like, I, so I, that's like an hour and a half from me. So that's like a, a halfway point. And I, I just got some, uh, I just got this chicken, steak and cheese. And then it takes an hour and a half. And then when I got home, it was, it still held up. And so I ate half of it. And the other half, I just ate a little later on that, that day last yesterday uh, and I just warm, I warm that half up in the oven for a little bit, but man, that's it holds up. It's it's really good. So if you're if you ever if you ever in Lawrence Lawrenceville, New Jersey, near Princeton, Meatheads, M E T H E A D Z, uh, go go there. It's if look up look them up on Instagram. Uh, it's it's incredible. So let's do, uh, this is going to be a long one. How long have I been blabbing here? Uh, hour and change. Okay, this will just be a long one. Um, Muzak. This is jazz musician named Kiefer. K-I-E-F-E-R. I'm not sure if I've talked about him a lot, but I, I've discovered his work within the last five years or so just been a guy that I follow I like his I like his music and I've listened to his stuff maybe I've recommended it before uh, but he worked on he worked with Anderson Pack he's done stuff with Katronada Terrace Martin Moses Sumney um, who was on uh, the Idol on uh, HBO the short-lived series um, just a talented dude and I saw that he had posted on his Instagram which I followed that he has an album out called It's Okay, Be You. Uh, terrific. I was starting to listen to it uh, on Friday when I was driving around. And um, I was like, yeah, this is a nice vibe. I think I posted something on IG, one of the records. And then driving back to Jersey yesterday in the rain, uh, 
Just a really fucking great vibe. He's he's terrific. He was in town uh, in Brooklyn uh, a couple weeks a week ago. I would have gone if I had just I just don't really have as much time or the money. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to really see all these people when they come to town. But it's just like I can't. I uh. but uh, it he he's terrific and uh, I think you should check it out if you like jazz. You're riding around in the whip. It's a nice, it's got a nice vibe to it. Um, and I, I would say check out his other stuff too. He's he's great. Um, little brother surprised the world, surprised the hip hop community with a two song EP, Wish Me Well and Glory Glory. Holy shit. These guys just keep getting better and better. Fonte's a friend of the pod. Um, when I text him, sometimes he'll text back if he sees it. Just one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest hip hop groups of all time. I I just I don't know, man. I've, I said this years ago. Fonte is the Mark Twain of hip hop. Rapper Big Pooh is the James Evans of hip hop. Just coming at you with a sledgehammer. Hard. These brothers was just like going back and forth on this Wish Me Well record. Wish Me Well or Call Me Ishmael. I'm leaving here with something you could call me Denzel. What? Are you kidding me? What? God, I love hip hop. It's not dead. It's not going anywhere. Are people making money off it? Has it been commercialized? Yes. Anything you create that has some kind of substance that's going to be, it's going to be commercialized. Are there people that take advantage of it? Yes. Are there people that abuse the the craft? Yes. But are there people that are constantly pushing the genre to the next level with the way that they write? Yes. Still good. Still great. I remember getting the listening in 2003, 20 years ago. One of the best times of my life, finishing my first year of grad school, getting my first apartment, not having anything in that apartment, but like uh, some of my my clothes and uh, like a beach chair and my TV VCR combo. My parents uh, would later bring my stuff. They bought, got me furniture and they set me up nicely. Lucky to have blessed, whatever you call it, to have parents that uh, always prepared me for any of these journeys. It's the best, one of the best times in my life, man. Picking that album up, playing it in my disc man my sony sport 
disc man, having a part-time job at Best Buy, having another job with the Skokie Park District, Summer on Broadway, blasting that album in my headphones. And for them to, whether they had their disagreements and everything, still come back together. It's crazy to believe that, that May the Lord Watch, that was, that was 2018, right? Yeah, that was like, that, that, wow. Still listening to that album, 2019, August 20, 2019. So four years. Man. Yeah, because that's when they, they were touring and then COVID knocked them down. Knocked everybody down, obviously. Incredible. Incredible. Like that. And then that line about the. Like that. That. That whore the culture line. Where is it at? Um, Where is it? Glory, glory. They put a video out for Wish Me Well. Glory, glory, the end of my story is getting closer. Temperature rising, but the world is steady getting colder. Leave me alone. Ring the, ring the alarm and tell the vultures, stay the fuck out of the garden if you're going to whore the culture. What? Whew. I think it's just one of the best this is one of the best groups of all time. I, I don't care. For my money, I know you got your outcasts. I know you got your tribe. I'm going to say, and I think Rod said this like a, a while ago, a lot of your, your, some of your favorite music is connected to your favorite, your favorite artists are connected to your favorite, like your times in your life. And you can, you can, you can recall those memories and things like that. I think that's really true. It was really profound that he said, I'm said that, uh, I'm not saying it verbatim, but the next time we get him on here, we can, we can, we can talk about that. But like, man, this nigga rapper, big poo said glory, glory, standing on the shoulders of giants, Robert Ori, a bit of his story. Bit of niggas bore me, all praises due. I was rocking Kane, my brother rocked Kane too. Now they dope sick. I author like Beth Macy. Penmanship that drives critics and crowds. Cri what? God damn. Sorry. Wow. Are you kidding me? These guys are like 44, 45 years old. Are you kidding me? Hip hop's dead? Hmm. Well, is it? Is it? Is it? There's great ones out there. There's great ones out there. Might take a little bit of work to find them, but there's great ones out there. Uh, you know. No. I'm not saying it because Fonte was on the show. The, the the bars speak for themselves. So there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of nerds in their forties that are like, "Oh, you're kidding!" Like me, that are extremely excited over this. It's it's amazing. What what a time! In spite of it all. Oh my God. Okay, 
I didn't know who Beth Macy was. So Beth Macy was the journalist who wrote Dope Sick. Are you... I'm, I'm just realizing this in real time. I pulled up The Genius yesterday and I was just listening to it and just I, I didn't I didn't take the time to to Google who Beth Macy was. Holy shit, man. Are you kidding me? I I, I just had to take the time to like acknowledge this shit, man. It's really hard. Like, this, like I, I thought Wish Me Well was great, but, like, Glory, Glory kind of reminds me of that, like, loose, it's kind of like um, that that record. Um, oh, my God, it's not Plastic Cups. Cool as a fan. Like, where they're just, like, I think that's on the And Justice for All mixtape. And it's just, like, it's just fucking hard. It's just, what a hard, oh my God. I, I love these guys. I, I think they're terrific. I, I, I think that my connection to them is because of that time that I explained, like my first summer in Chicago and like where things kind of opened up for me is like having, like I talk about my parents, putting me in the position to be, um, successful, giving me the tools and then say, okay, you got the tools. You got to make, you got to make do we working nigga. You go ahead and you, you go out there and get it. And then like to have this, to have little brother be the soundtrack of that, man. Because those guys were like, Fonte's a couple, like two years older than me. I think Pooh might be a year or two. Under I don't I know Fonte is like gonna he's like forty four he says he's forty four in that record that probably be forty five by the end of the year I think but let me see what rapper Big Pooh I think he's like a year or two older than me also he's forty oh he's the same age okay he's the same age as me so. I think that's like the main reason why I feel connected. Cause like Tribe Called Quest, like Q-Tip is like maybe at least 10 years older. Like those guys are all these, all those dudes I listened to growing up were older. Little brother, those dudes are the same generation. And to have them being excellent for so long, it's like, I feel like I grew up with them. And I remember I having the pleasure of of meeting Fonte, like being just being friendly with him online, meeting him at uh, this in store that we they did at Best Buy, uh, right around the time Authenticity came out for the foreign exchange. Let's see. Now I'm I'm doing now this podcast is going to be long. I still haven't gotten to the movies. Well, maybe this will be. I don't give a shit. You guys don't care. Uh, let me see. Foreign Exchange came out. 2010. So, knowing, meeting him, like, uh, 2010, we, we, he followed me back on Twitter and stuff. And then he, doing the podcast, he came, so he came out to see me 
and open for Chris Hardwick in Durham. And that's the, the night. I'm going to repost that picture of, of, of Hardwick, Rod, Karen, and, and Fonte and me. And they came to that show. And like, and it's so crazy to have one of your favorite MCs of all time. So, oh my God, that 12 years of slave joke was funny. And, and I said to him, I was like, oh man, I said like, yeah, man, your music just like your music got me through my twenties. And he was like, he said, nigga, it got me through mine. (laughs) And that's real. So, uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I really, I really love these two songs. I love, I love little brother. Um, it just, it just made me feel good. Like it, it's those, those records are so strong, man. So good. And it's like, and it's like, they're just talking. Yeah. They're, they're doing, they, they rhyming and it, it, the skill set is on point, but it's just the way that it comes across. is just like, it's like, they're just talking. I remember me and a buddy used to say like when we're on stage, when you're telling these jokes, you got set up and punch, but like you get in this zone where it's just, I'm just talking to them. You know, like this place, this, this higher plane of when you're on that, like, I'm not saying I'm on the Chappelle level, but like when you get to the point where you can kind of touch some of that stuff that a master's doing at your, you know, at your level of, of a young Padawan, it's, it feels like that, and it and it feels like these guys have just kind of been on that plane. They've always been great, and they never made any shitty songs, but they 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 they've gotten to this other level. Like when we talk, like I was talking about in the RPGs, where you ascend to this level through your hard work, and you're able to just like perform on performing on a higher plane. Um, that's what these dudes are doing. And it's, it's, it's a joy to listen to. I did not get that dope sick line. I just assume like, you know, like listening to it, like on a surface level, you were listening to, to big daddy Kane, your brother sold cocaine. And now these, yeah, now they're dope sick. I get that. And then you saw author like Beth Macy. I'm assuming that's somebody, but I didn't make that. You know, I'm not, I'm, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm smart. I think I'm a smart, I'm smart enough to know I don't know everything. But just, but just Googling that Beth Macy, I was like, oh shit. What's the meme where like somebody does something, uh, the guy's going crazy. It's not even the, 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 the super hot like freestyle shit is which is hilarious but like the meme where the guy's like oh my god i can't he's like shaking he's like oh my god i can't believe but like yo that's how i feel about this man man rapper big two rapper big poo fonte two of the best that ever did it man best hip-hop group ever best hip-hop group ever um okay let's get to some movies and and i gotta get we gotta we gotta i gotta go all right. Um, okay, I'm going to my letterbox. So I haven't. I've, I went to the movies after not going for a couple weeks. I did go to to see the movie. The movies. I went to the movies. I saw Outlaw Johnny Black, uh, written and directed by Michael Jai White. 
Uh, it's it's uh, I'll read you the blurb. Hell bent on avenging the death of his father, Johnny Black vows to gun down Brett Clayton and becomes a wanted man in the process while posing as a preacher in a small mining town that's been taken over by a notorious land baron. It's kind of like this in the same in the spirit of Black Dynamite, where it's like this like uh, kind of like black exploitation, but in the they're making they're poking fun at spaghetti westerns and so immediately when i saw this i was like i gotta see this and i gotta see it in the theater and thankfully it's one of those movies that's like oh my god is this limited release do i have to go to the city uh can i where can i see this and it was playing at an amc river east ah, river east that's chicago amc at the palisades mall so I, i went to see it and i did like it um i'm gonna have to get this one on vod there's parts there's where I kind of dozed off a little bit, not because of the movie, just because I had had a long weekend, uh, a long week prior to that. And it was just like me. And uh, so, the, <coughs> excuse me, that was on me. But it stars Michael Jai White, Anika Noni Rose, Erica Ash, um, Kim Whitley, Glenn Turman. It's a it's a good it's a really good movie. It's funny good to see black people being silly and funny um three and a half stars on letterboxd uh i really i really did enjoy it it's one that i want to have in my collection makes me want to go back to uh black dynamite um all right let me give you the last thing and then we'll we will i will let you give you back to your your life your week i saw this new flick that came out on Hulu called No One Will Save You. Um, let's see. A home invasion no one saw coming. A young woman who's been alienated from her community finds herself in a face-off against a host of extraterrestrial beings who threaten her future while forcing her to deal with her past. This movie stars Caitlin Deaver. There's not much dialogue. Uh... It's good. 90 minutes. If you got Hulu, uh, I would say watch it. See what you think. It's it's interesting. There's some of the similar elements that you are will be used to, but the less the less you know about it, the better your experience will be. So I would say go into it with that. Um, it was definitely fun. Like I I really enjoyed it. I thought you know, Caitlin Deaver's a great actress. I think now I love Bella Ramsey, but before I knew who Bella Ramsey was, I was thinking like, you know, Caitlin Deaver would be a great Ellie. She's 26, I think. So it probably wouldn't have been it had they done this show earlier. She probably would have had a chance to do it, but she definitely looks like an older Ellie. And I think she was in talks to be, um, to be Ellie in the last of us early on, but she would be a great, she'd be a great Ellie. Um, so I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, three stars on, on this for, for letterbox, a very, very entertaining, uh, keeps you on your edge. And it, and then there's a little bit of a twist that you don't see coming. Um, some other little things that I enjoyed about it. Um, yeah, so it, it was fun. 
Uh, if you got Hulu, it's definitely worth your time. Um, okay, that is it. I thank you all for listening. I really appreciate you all. And uh, I will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.